everyone. Welcome to the Unleashing Brilliance podcast. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and I've pulled together some of the greatest minds from around the globe to help inspire you to release your own brilliance into the world. Whether we are talking to entrepreneurs, business owners, or just some all-round awesome people, I can guarantee these conversations will help you start thinking about how you can create more impact in the work that you do. A mix of incredible interviews and my own personal musings, join me from wherever you are to begin the journey to unleashing your own brilliance. Oh my goodness, Kate, I am so excited to have you on this podcast. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm so terrific. I've really been looking forward to talking with you today. Now, just before we jumped on, you did share that you've only just warmed up. Can you... (laughs) Like, I'm still processing what you have already done this morning. Can you share with our listeners, like, why you're warming up today? Yeah, so I swim every morning. So I live in Melbourne, Australia, and we are obviously in autumn. But every single morning I meet my two beautiful sisters at the beach and we strip off and we used to run into the water. These days we go in so slow, <laughs> death by a thousand cuts, and we swim out to the pole and back. It takes us 11 minutes, no wetsuits, just our bathers, rain, hail or shine. It is so cold to, at the moment. I was saying to my sisters this morning, it feels colder than last August, and I don't know whether it is. I just think it's my brain telling me that it is. And then, you know, I run home, I jump in the shower, and then this morning I I was sitting in my big puffer coat. I bought a coat that's like a walking doona, and it's taken me two and a half hours, and I'm just warm now. My goodness. I have to say I love my walking doona puffer coat. There's a mother of kids that constantly play sport in winter it's like my lifesaver yeah the big coat, the big boots it's like I'm not going to be cold on the side here what what made you start doing such a ridiculous thing Kate <laughs> <laughs> look firstly I live across the road from the beach so I have no excuse we were one of those COVID groups that started in COVID when in Melbourne we had one of the most restrictive locked COVID lockdowns globally where there was a big period of time where we weren't allowed to leave a five kilometer zone from our homes we weren't allowed to leave the home with anyone else from within the home so it was kind of one person at a time where you were allowed to exercise with one other person so my sisters and I all live within the same five kilometers and my dad is also within that space so we took to meeting at the beach to have a swim because you were allowed out of the house to exercise and it just became an absolute lifeline for us and luckily it was summer when I started Boxing Day 2021 I think it was and I basically set myself the goal of swimming every morning for a year and at the end of that first year I'd swum 330 days so I didn't get a year but it's so not a failure because I swam 330 more days than I would have if I hadn't set myself the goal. And it's just become an addiction now. Like I love it so much. It does something to my brain. Also the joy of seeing my sisters. You know, we're all midlife women. 
with children on any given day, one of us is in full bone crying crisis. One of our kids has done some sort of stupid shit that's spun us out. And so oftentimes we walk into the water and one of us will be crying or complaining. And by the time we walk out, we are laughing hysterically. It just does something to our brains, something silly, but it just lifts our energy. And people kind of know us now as the three sisters. We make a lot of noise. We swear a lot. We use a lot of very bad words. And it just sets me up for a magnificent day. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And just for, you know, anyone that's listening here, you're probably picking up on just the sheer amount of joy and happiness in these everyday moments that Kate just exudes when you're talking to her. I know we've known each other for a number of years. We are both sort of authors, coaches and speakers. And, you know, the work that you've been known for, which is in that productivity space, is probably where we first met. But what's interesting me now is the work that you have almost discovered and this purpose that you now have in your work. And it revolves around this concept of the life list, your latest book. You know, talk to me about, can you share where, what was that milestone moment or that trigger point for you to go from essentially that almost expected to career move into productivity to then suddenly going, actually, I've got to share this message right now. Mm, Yeah, so it's so true, Janine. You know, my bread and butter, my work, my focus is on productivity and time management and making sure that and helping my clients find time. And it's always been my focus. And whilst I've always been a goal setter myself personally, I wasn't really dabbling in that marketplace, if you like. Then, you know, as we approached COVID, a couple of years before COVID, my husband of 22 years, father of my three children, left our marriage and he said to me, I don't love you anymore and I want to find the opportunity, I want to find love again while I'm still young enough. And it was an absolute blindside and it was obviously devastating and cruel and all of those things but it was a marriage breakdown people break up and I'd never suggest for one minute that it was a one person who caused the marriage breakdown you know it takes two to tango so I was just getting my head around all of that I threw myself into the business because I felt like you know I, I so did not want to go back and work in corporate I needed to make my business successful I needed to focus all of my energy on my kids So for, you know, a good two, three years, it was just business and my kids. And I was rebuilding a relationship with my ex-husband and we were co-parenting really well. I was pretty much doing all of the parenting, but he was there. He was solid and we were rebuilding our friendship. And COVID hit March 2020. In April 2020, Dan was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and 11 months later, he was gone. He died. And it was absolutely heartbreaking and brutal. And I felt like I'd lost him twice. But my loss was as nothing compared to my children's loss. And watching my three beautiful young children, and when I say young, they weren't three, four, and five. You know, they were 
17, 18 and 20, but young, still babies, certainly not capable of the concept of watching their father deteriorate over an 11-month period, knowing that he was going to die and knowing that the story just wasn't going to have a happy ending and there was nothing that I could do to ease their pain. They were grieving him before he was even dead and he was also then grieving everything that he was going to miss out on in terms of walking his daughter down the aisle and holding his grandchildren and seeing his children grow and just having a relationship with them. And so we were coping with this loss at enormous pace even before the loss had occurred and at the same time trying to readjust my relationship with him. I wasn't going to be his carer but I wanted to be there for him. I needed to be there for my kids And so there was just so much to negotiate. And towards the end of that time, because there was, he always held out so much hope when he was unwell. And he honestly, I think until towards the end, I think he felt like that he was going to survive it and recover from it. And it wasn't until the end that I think that he made peace with it. And then he went into, you know, really hyper practical mode and he was incredible. You know, he sat me down and explained to me in detail what he was doing in terms of trust funds for the kids, what his will was going to look like, who his executors were going to be. He completely involved me in that decision-making process. We agreed a point in time that we felt the kids would be old enough to inherit. And he very much involved me in something that he could quite easily have excluded me from. And we talked a lot about what sort of life we wanted for our kids and I made that commitment to him that I would honour those things that we agreed on, that I would make sure that they lived very normal lives, that I loved them as much as I possibly could, that we honoured and treasured his memory and coming out of that whole experience, sort of about eight or nine months after that, I sat down one day and wrote an article, I'm an opinion columnist for CEO World Magazine and I talk about productivity for them. And I sat down and I wrote this article which literally poured out of me and it took me probably 10 minutes to write. And it was along the lines of, you know, life is just too short and I don't want to live it the way I've been living it. I want to live a very different life from now on. And so here are my list of resolutions. Here's what my list looks like. And it was a mix of heavy stuff and it was a mix of light stuff. And it was things like I want to climb mountains and I want to swim in the ocean every single day but there were things like I'm going to tell my kids I love them every single day even when they're shitting me and I'm going to be there to listen to them when they need me and I'm going to vacuum less because I don't like cleaning my house and I'm going to stop sweating the small stuff and I'm going to not bash myself up when I order takeaway three nights a week because I'm just tired and I'm doing my goddamn best and I wrote this list and I sent it off to the magazine And I honestly thought that they would say, oh, thanks, but no thanks, because it's just not, you're not swimming in your lane, lady. And within a couple of hours, it had hit the front page of CEO World magazine. It went global. I had messages from people all around the world just saying, firstly, expressing such beautiful compassion for what we'd been through, but also saying things like, oh my God, I love this concept of a life list. And can I borrow yours? Can I have yours? Which I thought was so beautiful. People were asking for permission. It was like, just take it, you know, let's all vacuum less peeps. And 
I just felt that I had tapped into this vein, which perhaps was also COVID-related, where people were very much looking and thinking about living their lives differently, about simplifying, about stopping and smelling the roses, about realising that life is too short, that let's start living it today. And so I wrote the book. I love it. And you talk about mastering every moment and living an audacious life. Before we get into that, because I love what you have to say about this word moments. I really want to ask you that. But before I do, this feedback that you got, this sort of wave of recognition for that article and what you shared, why do you really think it hit the chord? Because yes, I think it is COVID, but also it's still going on, right? Why do you think we've got to, as a human race, to actually need this message that you're sharing? Yeah, I I think that we are, as a stereotype or as a generalisation, we're all just working so much and so hard and everyone's phenomenally busy. You know, we live in the age of information. We're constantly accessible. We're constantly switched on. We're constantly going. I mean, try and think of the last time you just sat and just breathed and just, you know, I know for myself I'm just constantly on the go and I create lists and I'm always going and I've tried yoga in the past and I just can't settle my mind you know I lie there and and the instructor will say you know breathe breathe into your energy and I'm like toilet paper ice cream milk you know I'm making lists in my brain the whole time and I think it just took that article for people to realize that we need to slow down We need to think about what we love most and what's most important to us and that it's okay to get off that treadmill. I think the other thing that was really resonating, you know, I'm 53. We get to this age and we have a lot of wisdom, we have a lot of stories and I think I've opened a door and allowed other people just to share their stories. You know, we've all got a backstory. We've all got dozens of backstories. Everyone has had trauma, you know. You don't get to this age without having experienced things like, you know, a marriage breakdown or perhaps an affair or death or, you know, this we all get to this age and we have things that we carry with us. And I think that by me just sharing very openly the devastation of losing Dan twice without laying blame and without, you know, putting a label on it, but just saying this has happened and this is the way I now want to change my life. I think it just gave other people permission to say, oh, my God, you know, this is what's happened to me or here's my story. And I continue to get these emails from really beautiful people saying, you know, thank you for sharing your story. Here's mine. And I just think it's nice to be heard. And so people are sharing it back with me and then they're saying, well, now I'm creating a life list. You've given me permission to be a little bit more selfish you know I talk about this concept of selflessness and we're so selfless and it's okay to actually be a little bit selfish and say what is it that I want what's on my life list what do I want that's most important for me because as far as we know we only live once so let's live well let's live right and that doesn't mean I have to climb every mountain within a 100 meter radius of my home it just means I need to do the things that are important to me like telling my kids how much I love them but also telling them to pick up the goddamn vacuum because mum doesn't do it anymore (laughs) 
you talk in your book about there was a conversation with Dan or it could be a conversation we've had and there was that moment where essentially he gave you permission to create that life list based on some of the things that he because of what had happened to him and his illness he wasn't able to do can you recall that conversation because I think it's really important for like you said we've all got story everyone's got a version of stuff Mm. but there's that wonderful gift that Dan gave you which essentially has opened this door yeah absolutely and it is a gift Janine it's after Dan left me he kind of took his eye off the parenting ball for a period of time he very much embraced being a bachelor living his own best life which at that point in time was a life that didn't wasn't heavily engaged with the kids there was elements of me that resented that but mostly even at that point in time I was able to look at that and think oh my god what a loss for you you silly silly man you know and I never remonstrated with him about it I never took issue with it because I wanted to be with the kids if I made a scene about it then he would have taken them half the time and that would have been a loss to me so I never made an issue of it and I continued to do heaps with them you know we traveled we went on adventures I was the one who went to the parent-teacher interviews I made all the medical appointments I turned up for all the medical appointments I did all the homework you know I was the one carrying that load and that was his loss. What happened though was when he became sick, he very much came back to them as a father and I just i am so grateful for that because he was an amazing father for those last 11 months. He was very present, he was very giving, he was very, very engaged with them and they had a beautiful relationship with him for that last 11 months but we talked he and I talked about the things that he had put off to later I'll do that later and but what happened for him was that later became too late and you know when he got sick he booked a trip to take the boys to far north Queensland to go deep sea fishing because it was something they'd always wanted to do and they'd always talked about doing it later and so he booked this trip and he booked in, he went and did some research for him to take my daughter to a resort island in Queensland, one of those, you know, incredible resorts where, you know, kids aren't allowed and they were going to be pampered. And But the door of opportunity for him to do those things with them closed, snapped, shut really brutally and without much warning. You know, one day his oncologist said, yes, of course, you can take those four days out and go fishing. But Within two days, they discovered a blood clot and he wasn't allowed to fly. And then, you know, so he couldn't then take my daughter to the resort. And so he booked a beautiful apartment or a beautiful bed and breakfast place down. It was sort of a three-hour drive from his house and they were going to go and spend a long weekend there. But then that door snapped shut. You know, he wasn't allowed to be away from the hospital for more than 24 hours. There was risks of infection and his deterioration was speeding up so rapidly that, you know, these windows of three or four days became a window of a day, which became a window of hours, and the door closed. And later was just too late for him. And after he passed away, the executors came and sat with me and the children and explained to them the will and the estate and what was going to happen and how that played out. And 
you know, seriously, the whole thing went over their heads. They sat there like stunned mullets. You know, they just lost their dad. They couldn't care less how much money was in the pot. You know, it just was so far off their radar. But the executors were doing their job and taking them through a process. And at the end of that discussion, the executors turned to me and said, look, Dan has left you a gift of X amount of money and he wants you to take the children on the holiday that he wished that he'd taken them on and you're to go anywhere in the world and you're to love them and to celebrate and have joy and eat lots and go in the water and they'll all be old enough that they can have a drink and I want you to get pissed on me (laughs) and I want you to share the stories and I want you to create the memories that I ran out of time to create. Mm-hmm. And we did. We went we had that holiday and it was beautiful. You know, I took them to Bali. We had an absolute ball and we talked about him the whole time. And we laughed and we talked about all the bits of that holiday that he would have hated. <laughs> God damn it would have hated this restaurant or Jesus dad would have hated the heat or can you imagine dad doing that and it was so hilariously joyful but the bottom line is I got to have his holiday with his kids Mm. I'm grateful for it but god it breaks my heart Mm. okay I'm so sorry and equally I go what an incredible man to have done that and this is where your work around life list versus bucket list yeah yeah is such an important piece can you can you share why bucket lists need to essentially just we need to move on from bucket lists why life lists matter (laughs) and then bringing into that you know you write so beautifully and honestly it stayed with me I think we were talking at an event recently that I ran and I was like someone else was talking about this thing about moments I'm trying to work out and I realized it's because I'd read a preview of your book it's like (laughs) it's so powerful and I think I must have shared it oh I've lost track of how many times I've shared it since since you've shared that Mm -hmm. so can you just explain this why moments are just so such an a powerful part of what we actually need to be intentional about with this life list because yeah. I think so many of us are busy doing exactly what Dan did is when yeah. I get when I get when I'm there when the time yeah. and yeah the time is here and now right I'll hand yeah. it over to you yeah so I guess to answer your first question the bucket list I agree you know a bucket list is I think we need to move on from it a bucket list is generally speaking, a list of everything you want to do before you die. And it often revolves around travel and adventure. And firstly, I don't want to wait until I'm almost dead to live. And I also don't want to have a list of things on my, in inverted commas, bucket list, which hasten my death. You know, it seems that people, you know, want to jump out of planes and want to go swimming with sharks and you know, dressed up in a black wetsuit looking like a seal, like a very edible seal, you know. So you're just going to actually hasten your death. A life list is the exact opposite of a bucket list. A life list is a list of everything you want to do while you're still young enough to enjoy it and live it and love it. And it's not just travel and adventure. It cuts across, sort of, I call them the seven chapters, and it includes wealth and health. I mean, it includes your legacy, giving. You know, we get to this age and we have so much knowledge and wisdom and intellectual property and talent and what are we doing to pass that on 
So the life list cuts across every aspect of your life and very intentionally setting yourself goals around how do I want to live my best life today. In terms of moments, I just love the word moment. It's always been a word I've used a lot. And generally, it's I use it with the kids. It's, you know, just give me a moment. And when I was writing or before I, I started writing the book, I was exploring the word and I, I thought I'm going to look it up. I, I want to look up to see what the exact definition of the word moment is. And it honestly, Janine, it blew me away and it's really changed my whole approach to living in the life list. So the first definition of the word moment is it's actually a unit of time. It's actually 90 seconds. And now being a time management expert, that just floated my boat because it's actually a time-related concept. It's not just a loosey-goosey, buy me some time, you know, give me a moment. It's 90 seconds. So in the same way as a minute is 60 seconds, every time you ask someone for a moment, you're asking for 90 seconds. So I loved that. The second definition of the word moment is it's a unit of force. So the movement of something around a hinge, the pivoting of a movement. So if you open the door around a hinge, that movement around the hinge is called a moment. If you were on a seesaw, that swiveling around the hinge on the seesaw is called a moment. So I'm thinking, well, this is great. You know, I could take 90 seconds of time to open a brand new door. And I loved that sort of the visual concept of that. And then the third definition, which honestly just completely blew my socks off, I thought I'm obviously onto a really good thing here. The third definition is that it's a unit of energy. So when there's an earthquake, the measure that scientists use to measure the power of that earthquake, it's called the momentum magnitude scale. So here I had this thought that, you know, goal setting is often so big and so huge and so overwhelming and that we have this great idea and then, we put it to bed because it's just too big and it's too audacious. And I just got stuck on this concept of a moment. If I could take just 90 seconds of my time to open a new door, to create earth-shaking energy, I could literally change my life. And so I did. I started thinking about my goals in terms of 90 seconds of energy to open a new door. And that then led to this place where I was taking one step after another after another and I realized I had momentum and the word moment is in the word momentum you know you string together a whole heap of moments you get momentum and when you have momentum what I've found is you can create something momentous and so it's my favorite word in the world I've told my kids that I'm going to get it tattooed onto my body they're horrified. They think I should be going for something a little cooler. And to be honest, I think they're probably right. But this concept of using moments, right, to change your life. And it just gives me joy thinking about taking 90 seconds to open a new door to really shake things up. So are you inspired to step up to take massive action in your own business? Maybe you're feeling like the world's best kept secret and a little bit invisible right now. Or maybe you're frustrated at your lack of progress and want to win more at work and succeed more in life. Maybe it's about being ready to welcome more sales and more profit finally into your business. If you're interested in finding out more about my work, check me out on all the usual social platform suspects or email me at support at and let's set up a time to chat about how I can help you.
they can just see the joy coming out. And I think you're right, it's such powerful because even that give me a moment, it gets you present, it gets you in the moment to make the right decision as to what next should be to create that shift either for yourself or for the people around you. It's so powerful. And I know people are going to say, what was on Kate's list? But I want to leave that to the end because (laughs) there's cons because I know you've got so many stories and we'll get lost in that. But what I really want listeners to, to understand or to hear directly from you is this life list, which some people could go, oh, it's my goals, it's my goals, it's my goals. What's so beautiful about how you approach this, Kate, is it is in those moments. And as a result of that, it isn't what we traditionally know as goals, like, you know, I'm going to travel the world, I'm going to take a year off. It's not that big, audacious, hairy goals, which we've all been told for ever and a day to create. There's these beautiful moments in there. Things like you said, I'm not going to do as much housework, I'm going to say yes, or whatever it is. So how do we, how do you suggest that people move from essentially all this conditioning that they have around goal setting, you know, roll around January, that's going to be an awesome sales time for you when we, everyone goes into goal setting mode, to actually creating this life list. How do people make that shift? Do you have, you know, how would you advise people to work through that shift from yeah. big, audacious goals to life list? Yeah, yeah. I love that question because it was a shift that I had to make personally. And so making that shift, I then sort of analysed it in terms of how did I do this so that I could then share it. And one of my huge realisations in writing this book was that I feel that I'd been approaching goal setting all wrong for my whole life. And I've always been an incredibly goal-oriented person and I've always chased down goals. I've always set them, chased them down, smashed them and then gone on to the next one. And one of the realizations I had was that I was dealing with my goals one goal at a time and making each of these big, hairy, audacious goals kind of the be-all and end-all. And then I'd achieve them and then you'd have that sort of, oh, kind of that, you know, that loss of energy or a bit of a flat lining or a, a sadness almost of achieving that goal. And What I realized in pulling together the life list and considering all seven components of what's most important to me across wealth and health and giving and lifestyle and the environment and travel and all of those things was that I needed to set my goals more holistically. So firstly, I needed to be looking at them across every aspect of my life, but also I needed to have multiple goals on the go at any given time. It wasn't just about having the big, hairy, climb the mountain goal and then the big, hairy, run a marathon goal and then the big, hairy, go on a, you know, resign from our jobs goals. It had to be a multitude of goals. And so now I have many goals on the go at any given time, which means I'm getting a lot of joy out of every single day. I've split the goals into three types. I have go big goals, which are those big, hairy, audacious ones because, you know, we need to live those. That's what makes life spicy then I have go small goals which is you know three or four smaller goals that I can achieve within a month they fall outside of business as usual they're not things that I would have done otherwise they're on top of and then for me the hardest ones for me because I've always been a goal setter the hard one for me was the third type of goal which I call go now goals And they're the spontaneous, seize the opportunity as they arise type goals, which you cannot plan for. And as a time management specialist who has literally lived my life, having every inch of my life 
coordinated and organized and diarized, that was the hardest one for me to bite off because I am not spontaneous. I'm planned and give me an idea and it sounds great, but I'm not going to be able to do it right now, but I will plan for it and do it next month. And so I had to really change that up and challenge it. And so I now invite those opportunities where something arises and I'll, I have to force myself to say yes. And I've had the best time. I've been doing some ace stuff, which I would never in a billion years have done, but for the fact that I've got my eye to these opportunity goals now. Mm, it's like you've opened up a new awareness level of seeing this stuff now. And I think your point there, Kate, around you know, time management, productivity, all of the training, again, that so many of us who are in corporates or running our own business have been trained to do is diarize the bejesus out of absolutely everything. And hands up, I'm absolutely guilty of that. Everything goes in the calendar. Even down to go get a coffee, which is ridiculous. And I had a uh, colleague say to me once, Janine, where's the space for the spontaneity? I go, I'm trying. Yeah. But what you're talking about here is we've actually got to try even harder because otherwise we're so busy chasing those big goals, the hairy audacious goals, that we're missing enjoying the journey to that. That's right. And equally, we're not necessarily present in the lifetime to that journey. Yeah. So the go big, I get. I don't reckon. No, I think everyone wants get the job, yeah. build the business, whatever it is, launch a book, whatever it is. This concept of go small and go now. Yeah. So go small is like potentially you could have them monthly is what you're saying, yeah. or it's just something to try and tick that off. I love that idea. It's a stretch of business as usual, if you like. So in January, we're all fairly quiet in January, particularly in Australia, it's summer, everyone seems to take the whole month off. And it would have been really easy for me just to get the book and edit it and lie on a beach. But I set myself, you know, three or four go small goals for the month, which were outside of business as usual, but they were very tangible move the goalpost stuff. So for example, I created a podcast flyer with the design of, you know, here's my photo, here's my bio, and here's some questions. I also created, I updated my bio. I updated my speaker kit and my rate card. And I also made a list of, you know, 10 new clients I would love to have that I would then go out and reach out to. So outside of business as usual, but not so big and hairy and audacious that it was going to take a lot of planning. And then I just put it down and I ticked those goals off and it, just allowed me to use moments to create incredible momentum. And you think, exactly, I was, just, I was just about to say the same thing. It's like you're moving forward versus stuck in this spiral of doing the same thing you're doing. I talk to a lot of my clients. We do get together and plan that next 90 days. And the yeah. same thing, it's not just about the business as usual stuff. It's what are the things this quarter or each month that you're going to actually tick things that the needle on this stuff and it's not just in your business it's also in your personal life it's with kids you know so in January I also you know I was going to sit the kids down and give them a very stern talking to about life and you know this house is a home we all live in it's not a hotel and I could not get all of them together because they're you know all off in different directions and 
living very different hours to me. You know, they're all incredibly nocturnal. And, you know, I said as one of my Go Small goals for the month was I was going to message them. And I wrote this incredibly witty, hilariously funny text, which was along the lines of, you're all assholes. You either step up and start helping around the house or I'm going to charge you $100 a week. Be very clear this is not rent. This is housekeeping money. I'm still thinking about charging you rent. Or you can actually step up and pretend you're an adult and do some stuff around the house. And so, you know, things like that, just to, you know, keep it up. <laughs> can you send me a copy of that text? <laughs> I'm actually going to make that my next month go small goal. Yeah, go small goal. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me about the go now goals because I think this is the beautiful one. Anyone that's listening, this is this the, here's the sparkle in Kate's voice it is when you talk about these go now goals. Yeah. I love what you're saying about it's the spontaneity, the ability to be a little bit more spontaneous and I think you know, just reflecting on what you're saying here, Claire. This is a uh, Claire, where do I get Claire from? I just totally <laughs> called you a brand new name. I don't even know where that came from. Kate, <laughs> reflect on that. That's the stuff that people miss out on, right? Yeah. That's the regretful stuff. So can you just give us a little bit of more juice around yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, sure. Look, I knew that these, the Go Small one was going to be the challenging point for me. And knowing that, the great irony, and I recognise this in myself, so, you know, don't all send me an email laughing at me. The great irony was that I then decided that I would set a month to be Yes Month and I'd call it the Yes Quest. And so I recognised that I was planning to be spontaneous, but this was a process I knew I had to go through. So last August I set as the Yes Quest Month. I told my kids, I told my sisters and my dad and I told my best friend, all of which were big mistakes because they then realised that, you know, the rules of the game were that any request that came my way for a whole month I had to say yes to. And so I then told these people and they completely exploited it, but it got me in the groove of having to say yes. And it was excruciating. So, you know, within moments of us clicking into the 1st of April, my best friend had sent me a message saying, do you want to go speed dating? question mark and seriously I could have vomited and I think I sent her back like three vomiting emojis but she knew I couldn't say no and I knew I couldn't say no because it's the sort of person I am if I said that I'm going to do something I have to do it and so off we went to speed dating which was every bit as awful as you could imagine but absolutely hilarious it's in the book it's honestly it gave me so much fodder the Yes Quest month of stuff to write about. You know, we're at this pub and the women were in one corner hiding and the men were in the other corner hiding. And I felt like I was 15 at the school dance and it was just revolting. And they had your mobile number and, and an image would ping on your phone to say, you've matched with Miles, go find Miles for your first eight-minute date. And I lost like two minutes trying to find Miles. He was hiding. He was behind a pot plant. You know, so this went on for the whole night, eight-minute dates of eight eight dates of eight minutes it was awful I will never do it again it was fun and hilarious and it just made me laugh and it was just awful what else did I do I went it coincided with when I took the kids to Bali for Dan's trip so they then wanted to go to the water park so that was a yes of course and 
they said, you know, you have to go on every single ride with us. Yes, because it was yes month. So the first ride that they chose was this ride that was literally like a thousand kilometers in the air. And we had to climb these steps and then we just went up and up and up and up. And we're passing signs along the way like tsunami meeting point next level up. And then the next sign was please be patient, emergency rescue in process. And that was kind of tucked away. And I'm just thinking, what the hell? So we get to the top. We're the only ones there because no one else was stupid enough to go on this ride. And my kids call me Nishk. It's my nickname. I don't know why or how. So we get to the top and and it was my three children and their two, the boys had their girlfriends there. So there were five kids and me. And they were all nish, 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 and whipping me into a frenzy. And the entrance to the ride was a coffin. It was like a vertical coffin with perspex glass. And so the door kind of opens and I had to go first and I step into this coffin and the door closes and you can see out the kids are nish, 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 and the water's cascading down me. And then the Indonesian man who's controlling the ride looked like he was 12 and he's giving me the thumbs up and smiling and then you hear this automated voice going five four three and I'm thinking what the fuck happens when it gets to one gets to one and the floor drops like it just goes it disappears and I plunge like a bag of shit screaming my head off whipping around to bloody circles <laughs> it was horrifying so that was that's just a taste of the yes quest month <laughs> and your book is just so full of so many of these just amazing stories but the point that of all of this is that life is for enjoying, that that we miss out on so many opportunities to connect as human beings, to connect as family and friends, to connect with the heart of what it is that we actually want to do because we're so wrapped up mm. in chasing very audacious goals and it's yeah. in the moments that the magic and this laughter happens. Yeah. Kate, as we write, I could just keep talking to you for ages. I am going to fly down to Melbourne and you're gonna have, we're going to have to go out and have a drink and a laugh somewhere because you just <laughs> You know, what is your wish for this book? So for, for people listening, grab a copy of The Life List. I will put the link in the show notes. What I love about Kate, first book of all, is an absolutely beautifully designed book, but, you know, talks a lot about becoming unapologi- unapologetically selfish, which we all need to take some notes from but there's such a beautiful framework to help people actually really start percolating what they want the rest of their life to look like and I was sharing with Kate offline that on the back of hearing Kate speak and reading her book I've actually booked a full day away with one of my best friends to actually create our life list and to hold each other accountable and to dream for a day because we have so many conversations about business goals but this life piece is is so important. So what is your wish? Because this book has got so much of your heart in it, Kate, and it's got so much of your personal story. And thank you again for sharing so openly everything in here. What is your wish for the book? If you could do, if it could achieve one thing, what is your wish? Thank, oh, look, thank you for the feedback. And I'm so delighted that you and your best friend are going to go and write your own life list. That's just beautiful. That is my one wish. My one wish is that women everywhere pick up the book, give themselves permission just to dream 
to remember how magnificent you are, how hard you work, how much you do for everybody else, that you are a giver and a nurturer and it's now your turn. It's your turn to curl up and dream about what you want the rest of your life to look like. You have a backstory. We all have one and we could all talk about them and break each other's hearts, but it doesn't define you. Your backstory doesn't define you. It informs you and you get to define what the next step looks like. You get to make the decision as to what the rest of your magnificent life looks like. It's your turn. Life's too short. You know, later might be too late. So go and do it now and love every moment of it. Mm. And if we could, because I'm sure he's listening, if we could bring Dan onto this podcast, what would you say to him? Oh God, you're determined to make me cry today. I would tell him that I would thank him for giving me this final gift from our relationship. Mm. We had 22 years together. He was my best friend. We had a lot of very wonderful years. We had awful, awful, awful times as well. We made the most incredible three children who I get the privilege of living the rest of my life with. I would thank him for all of that and I would thank him for his parting gift that woke me up to realise that life's too short and I'm living my life very, very differently now. And that's from him and I'm very grateful for it. And I'm sure I can speak on behalf of everyone listening in today. We are grateful because this is the wake-up call that I think so many of us need to hear and what you have created is a framework that we can actually put into practice because so many of us go, I will one day, one day. We go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's so beautiful about your book, The Life List, is you're showing people how they can actually make the change. So I'm incredibly grateful for that gift. And I'm so grateful for this conversation. Thank you so Me much, Kate. It's such a beautiful day. <laughs> I am sure you'll get everyone reaching out. So I'll put, for those of you listening that want to hear more, I will share in the show notes Kate's website, how you can find her book and everything about her. And I really recommend you follow, reach out and grab yourself a copy of The Life List. Thank you so much, Kate. It's Thank been beautiful to today. Thanks so much, Janine. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I hope you have new ideas on how to step into your own brilliance after listening today. For those of you who don't know, my own brilliance is helping businesswomen embrace their brilliance to achieve greater profits, align with their purpose and create greater impact through their business. I've helped thousands of businesswomen leverage their networks, build rock solid business plans and break through the glass ceiling to become seven figure business owners and beyond. If you're looking to take your business to the next level and have been feeling stuck or are frustrated that it's been taking forever, then shoot me a message today as I'd love to help you. You can email me directly at support at or find me on any of my social media platforms listed in the show notes below. Until next time, have an absolutely fabulous day.